And we're on the last part of our um, series, aren't we? Bringing salvation. So, Father, I just want to thank you for Gary. I want to thank you for his heart for you, his passion for you. I want to thank you, Lord, that um, his heart is that all of us would catch your heart for those around us. And, um, Father, I just pray as Gary speaks this morning, Holy Spirit, you do something in all of us. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. It is good to see you all. Isn't that great news about the, uh, the Miracle Building? You know, it's called the Miracle Building for two reasons. I'm not sure what we're going to title it yet, but it is a Miracle Building for two reasons. One, that we've got it. That is a miracle. But more importantly, what's going to happen in it? There's going to be miracles happening there. There are going to be people being set free there. There's going to be life there. There's going to be hope there. There's going to be all sorts of things there. And it's so good to be a part of God's family at this time. It is so good to be here and now with you guys, knowing that God is doing a new thing. It is so exciting. He is going to challenge us. He is going to transform us. He is going to equip us. He is going to anoint us to do the good works which he has prepared in advance for us. And he is calling us to be his ambassadors in this time and in this place. And this is such an exciting time in our church's history as we build something new under his leadership it is it is fantastic hello have you got something better to say than me probably perhaps more insight yeah i know it's it's, and we are talking we are talking today about bringing salvation we have talked in this series haven't we about transformation of our hearts and now we are talking about mission what we do when our hearts are transformed and the greatest mission of all is perhaps bringing salvation and saving people from poverty and oppression. But um, yeah, I want to pray first. I want to pray first. We've got to pray. Yeah, Father, will you flood this place with your Holy Spirit? Will you send your Holy Spirit now? Will he touch our hearts? Will he touch our minds? Will he speak kind words to us, Lord? We say you are welcome. We choose you. We love you. We want you. And we ask you to speak to us now, Lord. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. I just want to say, if you're, we're in different places, aren't we? Because we're different people. We're all unique. And I just want to say, if you are thinking today, I wonder why I'm here. I wonder why I'm here. I just want to say you're in the right place. You are in the right place. God is doing something and you are in the right place today. Slide two, please. New Chris. Yeah, it's exciting. (laughs) Our primary mission, our primary mission is to love God and to love each other. But if and when we're doing that, the thing that follows is we are here to make the world a better place for others, for people outside the church. We must love God first with all our hearts. We must love each other with all our hearts. But when we are doing that, then we take that love out into the world around us. That is our mission. There are two ways, societal change and personal opportunities to encounter God. The first affects people as a group. And the second is affects people as individuals and their inner life. When we're looking at society changes, 
we're looking at things like poverty and oppression. When we look, when this is the old story, using illustrations here from the old story, do you remember in the days of Joseph, there was starvation and hunger? You might remember the stories of the cows, the seven cows, the skinny cows and the fat cows and all that kind of stuff. There was starvation and hunger. And Joseph, through that whole story, brought salvation to that. In Moses' day, there was slavery and there was oppression and the people were downtrodden. And through what God did through Moses, people were set free. The, sa- the slaves were set free and the oppression was taken away. Do you know, we have now food banks all across the UK. Tens of thousands of users. Tens of thousands of users. And their numbers are increasing all the time. There is hunger in our day. Something has gone wrong in our society and people are without food. It's a complex issue, it's not trite, but it's an issue. People are now going without food. We have minimum wage jobs and zero hour contracts. Minimum wage is designed to be the minimum wage if you have a full time job. When you've got it on a zero hour contract, it's not enough. You can't live on it. So we're going to need people to fight these causes. We're going to need people who will seek God to make a difference. We're going to need champions of charity, champions of business. We've got to do something about it nationally, but we also are going to do something about it locally. And there are opportunities for community life. You know, our God is a God of love. And the expression of love is communion or community. And there are those who struggle. They're living outside a community. Most of the people who struggle, when you meet people who are struggling, people who are in difficult places, you can almost guarantee that they are isolated. That is what happens. They become isolated. And so bringing them salvation often means offering them community, offering them a place to be with a group of people offering them a place to be where they can find hope, where they can feel welcome and where they can feel wanted. Yes, that was a plug. Welcome and wanted. There are many ways in which we can welcome people, many ways in which we can make people feel wanted. These Sunday meetings, where we are now, this is a way to make people feel welcome and wanted. The the event at lunchtime is called Welcome or Wanted for exactly that reason. The work we do with CAP, the food chair, Larchfield Ladybirds, Alpha, Kintsugi Hope, Kerry mentioned some of those as going on in, our, in the building we're acquiring. They're all ways to make people feel welcome and wanted. Do you know? And we want to do more. We're committed, aren't we, as a church, to bringing salvation, to bringing hope, to bringing new life, to bringing freedom. We are committed to it. So what happens when we do it? What happens? Do you know, it's tough. If it was easy, we'd have done it by now, wouldn't we? If it was easy, we'd all be accomplished. But it ain't easy. It's jolly tough. Let's look back to the old story. Joseph, oh my goodness, he was rejected by his brothers. They sold him into slavery. He had a really hard time. You've probably been reading the story, or if not, you probably know the story. Joseph was rejected by those who were closest to him. Yet, 
He remained faithful. He let God transform him. And through that, he saved his family, he saved Egypt, and he saved many other nations from famine. Moses was rejected by his fellow Israelites. It was due to his own mistake, if you remember. He started killing people and they weren't too impressed. But he was rejected by the Israelites. You're not our leader. Go away, they said. So he did for a bit. And yet he remained faithful. He let God transform him. And he went on to save Israel and many more from the Egyptians. Jesus, our Lord, our Saviour, our friend, our God our hope, our salvation, our rock, our shepherd. Jesus was and is initially rejected by about all of us. I wasn't born loving God. I was born loving me. I thought I was pretty cool. And I've learned over the years, it's been a long, long, long journey. Some people say it's still a long journey. We reject Jesus, people reject Jesus. Perhaps most painfully, I think, for Jesus was number one, Judas betrayed him. And then Peter denied him. One didn't work out so good long term. One has a story of restoration and healing in it. That was painful. And you know, Jesus remained faithful. He remained faithful in a garden where he sweated with anxiety about what was to come and said, yeah, Not my will be done, but yours. Jesus remained faithful to Father God. He grew in favour with God. And now he saves everyone who trusts him. And he offers it to absolutely everyone. You know, we'll face rejection. What are those rejections that we're going to face? Because if you pursue God with with all your heart in any area, there will be challenges. Most of the time... You're going to be accepted and loved, which is great. So I'm not, not saying this is going to happen all the time, but there will be moments where you have to face the challenge, where you have to make a choice. It may be your family or your friends. It may be the church, if you come up with something bizarre and um, maybe a bit too much for people. Definitely, if you try to help people, they won't get the message and they'll reject you. It's painful. In, in the work I do, I see loads and loads and loads of people. And the ones that you guys tend to see are the ones that have said yes and have accepted, accepted, yeah, there's a message here which might bring me hope. But what you don't see is the dozens and dozens and dozens that very politely say, get lost. <laughs> I'm not interested. I'm here to tell you about a God who loves you, a God who's going to set you free, a God who's going to change your life, a God who's going to do miracles, a God who's going to bring you hope, a God who's going to do so much more than you can possibly imagine or conceive. I'm here to give you good news. No, not interested, mate. It's hard. It's hard if you care. It's not hard if you're just doing a job and you're pretending and you're doing a show. But when you care, when you put your heart into it, it hurts. You have to face that and you have to choose to go back. You have to choose to love again. You have to choose to care again. You have to say that person is worth it. If you think what Jesus went through, what we go through is nothing. And we go alongside him and we do it with him and we face his rejection with him. And we say, I'm going back. I'm going back because that person is worth it. doesn't matter what they do, what rejection they do, how much they ignore us, they shun us. 
We go back because they are worth it. That's what we do. We remain faithful. We understand that God has accepted us and we ask him to transform us, allowing us to continue on the mission that he has called us to. Well done, Chris. I didn't even ask you and you're keeping up brilliantly. I mean, I love Chris Greenslade, but this is Chris Johnson. He's something else. Man. Yes. Oh, yeah. We are going to challenge the powers, which will be a new slide. Oh, look at that. Let my people go. Colin spoke on this a few weeks ago, didn't he? I understand he jumped up and down and shouted it. Let, let, me, let me try it once. Let my people go. Was it like that when he did it? Yeah, yeah, yeah he's, um, he's a bit bizarre, that fella. Um, do you know, every time God sent Moses to Pharaoh, he said, go and tell Pharaoh, let my people go. It's ten plagues, ten times he said it to him. Every single time he said it. So what is the voice of God whispering to us? What is God whispering to us? Who is he saying about? Who are the people that we are seeing in oppression, that we are seeing in slavery? Who are the people... God says, let my people go. They're his people. They're not our people. They're his people. And he wants us to go to the powers that hold them. And he says, let my people go. Who is the oppressor? You know, we, are, we have to hear from God what he wants us to do, what the mission is, which group he is asking us to go to in order to be his ambassadors. And then, like Moses, you can march right up to Pharaoh and say, let my people go. This is from God. I know what God has spoken to me. You can declare it. You can believe it. And you know that the whole of heaven is behind you when you do that. And whatever happens, you know that God is with you. Because God has called you. We want to make a difference in maidenhood, don't we? Let's narrow it down to us. We want to make a difference here and now in our town. Yeah? That's our primary calling as River Maidenhead. To make a difference in Maidenhead. There's lots of other things we can do, but we want to make a difference here. Big shout out to Dan and Nay for the quiz night. Brilliant. Big shout out to Olu and Rach for hosting Welcome and Wanted today. To Hiker for Larchfield Ladybirds. To Andrew and Janet who are doing ongoing community work. And to everyone that helps in CAP as a befriender. And there'll be lots more of people doing great things. So I'm sorry if I didn't say your name. There are lots of people doing good stuff, okay? And a shout out to you. We're making a difference in Maidenhead. You know, when Jesus started his ministry, he said, the spirit of the sovereign Lord is on me to set the oppressed free. If we're friends of Jesus, and I'd like to think that we are, if we're friends of Jesus, we're going to want that same anointing as him to set the oppressed free. We want God's anointing on us to make a difference, don't we? So what is God saying to River Maidenhead right now? It's been a few months since we had the change in the church structure and we're in a new day. And what is God saying? Well, I'll give you my take on it. doesn't mean it's the only take on it. But what I am seeing, the word, the mission, is build community. Build community. Build community. Develop a culture of community. That's what I'm seeing. That's what I'm hearing. That's what all the stuff that is going on. I'm seeing it in you guys. I'm seeing it in people in this church. A desire and a hunger to build community. 
We are to stand against the spirit of individualism that is lying to our nation and culture. And we're going to say, let my people go. People need to be in family. People need to be in community. People need to be in groups together. And that is what God is calling us to. We need to build community within the church and we need to offer community to those outside of the church. We build community. We need to show compassion, grace, kindness and welcome to everyone that God puts in our path. One of my favourite verses here. Colossians 2, 14 and 15. Having cancelled the charge of our legal indebtedness which stood against us and condemned us, he has taken it away, nailing it to the cross. And having disarmed the powers and authorities, he made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them by the cross. He triumphed over the enemy. He took the power away of the enemy. How? Sometimes we get this verse wrong. We've had 500 years of possibly getting this slightly wrong. Do you see what it says there? It says he cancelled. He cancelled the charge against us. He didn't, he didn't agree with it. He didn't say, yeah, okay, you're guilty. You've got to be condemned and all that. He cancelled it. He changed the rules. That's what he did. The law by definition, is the knowledge of good and evil, isn't it? The law defines what is good and defines what is evil. Jesus cancelled that. He said, now I'm cancelling the law. The law is wrong. I'm focusing on life. In John's Gospel, Jesus said, I pray that they, meaning us, will have eternal life, which is to know you and the one you sent. That is life. Relationship. To know God. To know Jesus. That is what Jesus is about. He cancelled the law. It doesn't matter. You've got to be healed from things that go wrong. But it doesn't matter about your mistakes. Because that's cancelled. You are not being judged according to the law. You are not being found guilty of anything. You are a prodigal being welcomed back into the family. He cancelled it. He nailed law. He nailed judgment. Nailed it to the cross and it went to death. Law was destroyed. Judgment was destroyed. And grace and freedom came in its place. And that's what we do. We challenge the powers. We make a spectacle of them. When they say someone is wrong, someone is bad, someone has made a mistake, someone is hopeless, someone is useless, someone is not worth the effort, we say the law is cancelled. We live with grace. We live with life. We live with new creation life that Jesus brings us. That is what we are living. Number five. We've got to reach everyone. God wants all people to be saved and to come to a knowledge of the truth. And that's all people, not just those like you and me. It's easy to like the ones who are like us, isn't it? It's easy to like the people who have the same culture as us. Yeah, but you know what? We've got different colours, haven't we? We've got different ages, different social classes. That's probably a big one at this point in time. We've got different genders, different politics, different nationalities, different cultures, perhaps even different religious backgrounds. We're different. You know, Joseph reached out not only to his family, but all the people of Egypt and all the surrounding nations. He didn't discriminate. Moses reached out 
not only to the Israelites, but to a big mixture of slaves and people from the other nations when they fled Egypt. He didn't discriminate. Jesus brought salvation, not just to the Jews, but to the Gentiles and to you and to me. He didn't discriminate. We have got a big call to deliver a big message to a lot of hurting people and we can't discriminate. We've got to find ways to put aside our own preferences and become all things to all people so that we might save some. We need to do what others won't do. Jesus speaking said, if you love those who love you, what reward will you get? Are not even the tax collectors doing that? And if you greet only your own people, what are you doing more than others? Do not even pagans do that? There's boundaries here. And Jesus says, which boundaries are we going to cross? Which boundaries are we going to cross to go and get other people and bring them in? Slide six, please. So what are we going to do? You know, whatever the context we reach out to people is going to be about people and individuals and I would say to you it's about being a friend this is a good start point let's keep it simple it's about being a friend to people it's about giving them time I think Adam spoke on this a couple of weeks ago for me it's the number one love language I love that if you give me time I'll feel loved I guarantee you okay that's just my thing but it's true people need time be there when it's inconvenient. People can, see th- people can see through you. People know when you're going out of your way and when you're not. And if they see that you're going out of your way for them because they're worth it, they're likely to be impressed. They're likely to want to know more. Where's it coming from? This is not normal. Most people don't treat me like that. You seem to care about me and you don't want anything in return. Where's that coming from? What's motivating you? What's inspiring you? Can I have a bit of that? Hospitality. They say that an Englishman's home is his castle. But I'd like to suggest to you that a Christian's home is his hotel. Hmm? Welcome. Big Matt, welcome. Come in. Eat. Rest. Be looked after. Welcome. Listening without judgment. He who is forgiven much loves much. If you've stood in the throne room of God and gone to the mercy seat of judgment and you've realised that you don't deserve anything much and yet love has been poured out in abundance on you, then you won't judge others. People don't want to be judged. They don't want to be told they're wrong. They know they're wrong. They know, we all know we're wrong, don't we? We all know we've been hurt. We all know we've been broken. We all know we've made mistakes. We all know we've been selfish. Oh my goodness. Some of us have even cried about it because it's hurt that much. We feel so annoyed with ourselves. And yet God reaches out with love and he asks us to do the same. We need to tell stories. It's relatable. If we can tell of the good that God has done, we make it real. Not stories from far off. But stories from here, stories of your life, stories of my life, my, our friends' lives, things that have happened, these are good. Victories we've won, victories God has won, problems that have been overcome. 
Yeah, evangelism is a dirty word. We think we've somehow got to be able to tell people the four steps, which, by the way, are not very good in my opinion. But it's a dirty word. We think it's scary. Let's call it loving people. Is that, is that scary? Is that quite so scary? Being kind to people? Being nice. Is that so scary? I think most of us here would probably say, yeah, I'm quite nice. Yeah, well, go out and be nice to some other people as well. You're an evangelist. Well done. It's good. You're taking God's message of kindness and love. I like that one at the bottom. I thought, that's cool when I wrote that down. I thought, yeah. People think you need the gift of the gab. Rubbish. Rubbish. You need the gift of the heart. So what you need is the gift of the heart. If you care, people will know you care. They don't care how good you are at speaking. They don't care how good you are at reasoning through theology. They care that you love them. They care that you care about them. That's what they care about. And you do that. You're an evangelist. If you care for people, you'll see people won into the kingdom. That's what's going to make a difference. Caring. Loving. Being the best you that you can be. If you happen to be good at speaking and talking and theology and all that kind of stuff, well, God will have a role for you to do that. But for everyone, he's got a role to love people and to care for people. Slide seven, please, Chris. If it was easy, we'd be doing it, wouldn't we? If it was easy, we'd all be doing it in abundance. But it ain't easy. My grace is sufficient to you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. This is God speaking to Paul. Therefore, I will boast, this is Paul now speaking. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses, so that Christ's power may rest on me. That is why, for Christ's sake, I delight in weaknesses and insults and hardships and persecutions and difficulties. For when I am weak, then I am strong. It's about grace, it's about humility, it's about knowing our weaknesses. And then we know that when we are weak, we are strong. I am weak. I am really rubbish. And I have spotted this. Um, there's been some really kind people who've loved me, pointed it out to me from time to time in certain areas. And it means I have to keep going to God. I can tell you for personally that I have tried so many times to serve God and so many times I have failed. And it gets me to the point where I say, God, I can't do this, but you're asking me to do it. I can't do it. I keep getting it wrong. I keep letting myself down. I keep letting you down. I keep letting people down. I cannot do it. I need this grace thing. I need you to change me. I need you to transform me. I need you to equip me with what I need. And that's true for all of us. It's not just me. Because if it is, I'm going to feel really embarrassed if I'm the only one that struggles. Um, Why? Why? The Holy Spirit comes to live in us and transform us. He gives us the anointing to set the oppressed free. But you know, we have to ask him. We really have to ask him. It says in Luke, I think, I didn't write down my reference here, I think I got it from Luke's Gospel. How much more will your Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? Are you asking him for the Holy Spirit? Are you, remember the song English Sunday? Are you waking up in the morning thinking, Lord, fill me with your Spirit today? Now you're going to bed at night saying, Lord, whilst I dream, fill me with your Holy Spirit. I want to wake up full of him. I want to wake up full of this new creation life. The old life was okay, I suppose, but I like this new life. I like this life with God in the centre of it, with God changing me, leading me, guiding me. We need to ask him. Sometimes we do not have because we do not ask. 
Are you asking? God likes you to ask. But you know, it's a little bit more complex than that because you're thinking, yeah, but it hasn't worked for me. So I'm going to give you a little illustration now. If you can hang on a minute whilst we set up the illustration. Can you see this? This is a dry and barren land. Yeah, it's dry with no life in it. You see this? Jonathan, I don't know who's won the sweepstake, but if, <laughs> if anybody wants to ask me about Japanese volcanic soils and how they're used for bonsai and their different properties, I'm available for consultation afterwards. This is a dry and barren land. This is Maidenhead, yeah? This is the people of Maidenhead that don't know Jesus yet. It's a dry and a barren land. And guess what God has done? He's put you and me and us. He thought he'd take the most odd bunch of people he could find, stick them right in the middle of Maidenhead and ask us to do something about it. So there we are, sat right in the middle of a dry and a barren land. And the thing is, we go to Jesus, don't we? And we hear a talk and we think, yeah, I want Jesus in my life. I want him to fill me. It's going to be great. I'm going to do great wonders for God. And we say, Lord, will you fill me with your spirit? And he says, yes. Hmm. Okay, he's done something. The dry and barren land still looks the same though. Hmm. Lord! going to praise more I'm going to go to the next praise meeting it's going to be cool I might even tap my toes oh yeah oh yeah that's the dad dancing version of church it's quite embarrassing but it's all some of us can do will you fill me with your spirit Lord will you fill me it's a lovely sound that isn't it yes he says I'll fill you we have a great experience life's still the same though it's not making a difference we're praying but we're not seeing the results we might even be tempted to give up you know where this is going don't you I like to make my illustrations really really obvious we've got to go back we've got to ask God will you fill me with your spirit eee, doing good now God's filled me with his spirit quite a lot really that's great still where's the breakthrough Where's the breakthrough? And you keep going. You keep going to devoted meetings. You keep coming on a Sunday morning. You keep going to small groups. You keep working on your personal devotional life, your prayer and your worship of God, your Bible study. You keep going. You're seeing no fruit. You're seeing, where's this outpouring, Lord? Where's the revival? Where is it, Lord? Where is the revival? You promised revival, Lord. I'm not seeing it. Ask, ask, ask. Lord, fill me with your spirit. Fill me with your spirit. I will not give up. I will keep asking until you bless me, Lord. I'm going to ask until you bless me, until you fill me with your spirit such that it makes a difference and we can change this world. Will you fill me 
with your spirit. If you rest, Jacob wrestled with God. I will not go until you bless me. I will not go until you bless me, he said. Fill me with your spirit. Fill me with your spirit. And as he fills us with his spirit, look, it flows out. It's dry and barren land. It's changed. I chose a soil that changed colour when wet to make the illustration. That was cunning, wasn't it? It makes a difference. When you are so filled with the Holy Spirit, it makes a difference. And you will change the world around you. But you've got to keep going back. You've got to keep wrestling. You've got to push through. I said to God a couple of years ago, I said, I'm going to pray and I'm not going to stop until you bless me. And it went on for weeks and I kept stopping and he hadn't blessed me. And it was really, 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 really annoying. And I got angry and angry about it. And I said, don't give me all this nonsense in the Bible, all these stories, all these preachers standing up on Sunday saying, oh, your life can be transformed. You can make a difference because it isn't happening. Come on, God. I'm fed up. I am going to wrestle with you. I'm going to stay here. I'm, even if I can't think of anything to pray, I'm going to fold my arms and I'm here. You are going to bless me. And I did this for about two months. And eventually, he gave me a little hint to get me started. He said, stop praying about things that you're thinking about. Let's just focus on worship. Worship me, worship me. And now, now you, you know, because I've got a playlist and all the stuff I do in small groups and stuff. I'm pretty keen on worship. It made a difference. Stop thinking about me. Started thinking about God. And then he started blessing me. Then he started filling me with his spirit. Then he started doing things which are wonderful and has made a change and it's only just started and he is transforming me and he will transform you. So if you are dry, if you are not seeing the difference, you have good meetings and you think, oh, that was nice, it was a cold and refreshing thing, but then it's the same. Go back, go back, wrestle with God until he blesses you. You will seek me and you will find me, he said through the prophet Jeremiah, when you seek me, with all of your heart, when you refuse to let go, when you insist with God that you are going to push in and he is going to be the only thing in your life. That's when you get to this point. When you get to this point, fill me with your spirit. The prayer changes and it says, at this point, you say, here I am, send me. Here I am, send me. A maidenhead will be blessed. When enough people in this church are filled with God's spirit, they've got to the point that they say, here I am, send me. Maidenhead will be blessed. And where the river Maidenhead flows, there will be life. I'm finishing with one verse. One verse to finish. We'll be on the slides now. Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. For the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. Amen. Bless you all.